All right, good morning. I'm Elizabeth Tamlin. I'm excited to be with you today. And I thought about um, this topic of rest, and I thought, I'm like an expert at where to find rest in the wrong ways. And so I can teach you from hopefully my life experience of what I've, what I've learned in the past. We're going to start out with just a really quick video, um, just as we kind of enter into a, still a new year this year. All right. I thought that was a good one to start with, but we are not going to give up. We're going to dig into God's Word today and see how we can find rest. I want to begin by introducing my family. Um, I have three children, and two are married, um, uh, and then I have one grandbaby. And so we're, I love them deeply, and I think sometimes, um, and as I'll share as we go throughout the morning, sometimes I was so in love with these people that I didn't rest. And so we're going to find today how to love them and rest um, by pointing by pointing to Jesus. So um, I used to think that a really a day of just like relaxation or a getaway was all I really needed to rest, like nails or a girl's weekend or whatever. But I found that even when I got those things, although they were great, they really didn't provide true rest because there were still the kind of the, the what, what I would call the worries of the world. So today we're going to unpack rest and we're going to, um, I would just say that we've just finished a really busy time of year. And so perhaps you were a lot of in charge of Christmas. I was thinking about as I was um, working on this, just like you were probably the calendar girl where you uh, coordinated and you planned get-togethers for family, friends, community. You, maybe you planned travel. You probably decorated your house and then you probably undecorated your house. Um, you might have had to attend some school functions or extracurricular programs. And some of them required extra things like food or a gift or a costume or something like that. If you were in charge of your, your family's Christmas card or something you were going to post on Facebook, you had to coordinate the outfits. You had to coordinate where the picture was going to be taken, who was going to take it, um, when it was going to be taken, and then gather all those things together and perhaps order cards and then address the cards and then do the stamps. And it's all so much. And then about the food. What about the food? Good chance you're in charge of all the food. It's a good chance that you had to plan it and you had to prep it and you had to buy it and you had to clean it and then you had to, uh, and don't forget gifts. You may have had to buy gifts for your own family and then extended family and then maybe you bought for your community group or your children's teachers or your neighbors or the mailman. Whew, it's all too much. When we consider all of this at once, let's just take a deep breath. And let, today we are going to consider stillness and consider rest. I started thinking about this and I thought, do you ever hear anybody say that they aren't busy? Like you say to say somebody, hey, how are you doing? Oh, we're so busy. We're so busy. We're in a busy season. It's like we love busy. It's like busy makes us feel purposeful, right? If we're not doing anything, we're kind of like, eh. But that, that's, so we kind of sign up for things and we volunteer for things and we do things. I've heard Andy Stanley say, remember how busy you thought you were before you had kids? Um, it, it makes you laugh now, right? Like you thought you were so busy. You had something every night and you had your work and you had your this and you had your that. And now you're looking back, oh, oh those were the days. Those were the days. Um, so, but it really does seem that busyness is valued in our, in our society and that being restful is kind of a weakness. Now, in my family growing up, my mom had heart disease when I was 16 and passed away not long after that. But rest was really valued. Like if you slept in and be like, oh, I'm so glad you got some rest. You must have really needed that. Um, and so rest was greatly valued. Like take a nap, rest, you know, fill yourself up. But in my husband's family, it was not valued. And he's an early bird to this day. Um, so one time uh, my in-laws were staying at our house and I got up, I was working full time. I got up like maybe at 7.30 or 8 on a weekend, had worked, you know, all week long, got up, not thinking that that's really very late. 
And they sung this song called Lazy Bones to me when I walked down the stairs because, because uh, rest it was equated with lazy in their family or being slothful. So um, I would just say that not everybody has the same bitch mark for what rest is. So I would just ask you today, and I mean, it's so rhetorical because I'm in a room full of moms, but do you feel like you need rest? And where can we find it? Do you need rest? Let's see what the scripture says about it and how we can each get it. It has been said that in our current days, we are addicted to stimulation. Think about that. We have a free moment, and what do we do? We whip out the phone, right? Um, Adam Tarno, who's a pastor here, has said that the last day any of us were bored was the day before we got our first iPhone, right? Because now we don't ever, ever have to be bored. Even at a stoplight, we might pull it out. Or um, when we have any free moments, we pull out our phone. We don't have to be bored for one single second. And so we want to try to be shaped into people who value that which gives us life and not just what is trending or loud or exciting. So today we're going to break up the word rest into hopefully little nuggets that you can remember. The first one is just the R, and that is for just that we would be restored or all the words that go with that, replenished, refreshed. It's kind of like a phone that needs to be plugged in. And we're going to talk about how to recharge yourself even in the midst of noise and even in the midst of chaos. We'll talk about what rest is and also what it isn't. And then we move on to E, and we're going to really kind of explore what really makes us exhausted. Yes, a baby that doesn't sleep, absolutely. But so it may be a lack of sleep, but it also may be something more than that. Um, our, Our next one is the S, and we want to do more than just survive, but we recognize that some seasons we are just surviving, and sometimes that's okay. And we'll talk about ways that we can move out of surviving into the T, thriving, and we would be, that would be just like living in an abundance, um, recharged, not exhausted, to develop patterns now, um, be, because this is probably the single best gift that you can give your family, is to be able to really um, turn regular moments into holy moments, or turn the ordinary into the extraordinary by finding holy moments. So let's dig in with our R and kind of really tear it apart here for a moment. Um, so just words that came to mind to me were like restore, refresh, replenish, um, So what is rest? Like I said, there's different views. For some people, it's just like, I just need a nap. I'm I'm positive that everything would be better. And sometimes that's true, if I could just have a nap. Sometimes we want to say that rest is by getting a good night's sleep. We might use other words, kind of self-indulgent words, like, I just need to chill. I just need to Netflix binge, or I just need a vacation. Um, I just need some downtime. Those are all words, especially that the world tells us that rest, like that's what we're going to find is by doing something mindless and letting something just come in and fill us up. But I would just um, perhaps argue with that. Um, The Bible, I think that sometimes our world tells us that we deserve this or that. You deserve a day off or you deserve this or you deserve that. But when I really study the scriptures, the main time that the word deserve is used is in usually reference to our sin. And that's not, what we deserve is not good. And so uh, I just thought that was really interesting because we hear that a lot in our, in our world, that you deserve this or you deserve that. You deserve to you know, get this or that happen. And so I would suggest that many times the rest that we long for is really more about a state of mind than a physical, than a physical need to be rest, not a physical need to be met. Not that it doesn't mean that we actually need to take care of ourselves and get rest to function. But it's, sometimes it's really hard to rest in this world. So today we're going to unpack that thought um, and we're going we're gonna to hopefully discover that true rest is really not found in our circumstances because they're always changing and we can't count on them. 
But true rest is found in a person. And so we're going to talk about that. So let's dig in and see what does God's word say about rest? It starts with very early in the Bible, Genesis 2, 3. It says here that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so God didn't really need to rest because he's perfect, but he rested anyway. And I think sometimes he may have done it to give it as a kind of a model for us. And he speaks in Hebrews 4 about a Sabbath rest that we can enter into also through him. Um, God spoke to Moses not long after that in the Bible. We're in Exodus 33, right after they had done the whole golden calf thing. It says, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So something, there's something to connect here between God's presence and rest that we can have. And then in Jeremiah 31, it says, he provides rest to us. Um, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the heart. And I love that because I think sometimes when we're looking for rest, we're looking for some sort of satisfaction. Let's move on to E, what exhausts us? And I especially dug into this because I was like the queen of all these bad things for a long, long, long time and still fight, fight to, to be against them. But sometimes it's caused by physical factors. Sometimes you really aren't sleeping. Sometimes you have a new baby or you are, have sick children that aren't sleeping or you've said too many yeses, like so you're baking brownies at midnight because you said yes to the school bake sale. Um, sometimes a physical factor of being... Um, making us physically exhausted is just too much information. Like there's so much info out there. Like I can't just go buy a stroller. I need to research every stroller on the internet first before I pick one out or an appliance or whatever. Like there's so much info. Like I can't just, you know, flippantly go do this. I need to get all, gather all the info. And so I think sometimes actually all that access to information can make us exhausted. Um, We also have wonderful things like Pinterest or blogs that give us great ideas, but I think sometimes that can make us exhausted as well. And then, of course, that whole keeping your baby alive um, and and thriving, that's not easy. And so so what you do as a mother is so important. And I just want to encourage you here that on any given day, it's easy to forget the importance of what you're doing. It's really important that, that you are pouring into and investing into the next generation. Because what you do, those little things that you do each and every day are so important. And the way you, that you love and care and respond to them, they will, that will shape them forever and ever. And so I, you don't have to do this alone. The Lord is with you and he wants to come alongside you. Um, so sometimes these physical factors, they make us exhausted. But sometimes it's more than physical factors. Sometimes it's an actual lack of sleep. Um, it's more than a lack of sleep. It's sometimes emotional factors. Um, so here's the one where I, where I really can resonate. And that would be things like worry or lack of trusting the Lord, or anxiety. And so I think sometimes, and that's where we kind of go from like, my circumstances are making me nervous or anxious or not resting. Um, I love what our pastor Todd says when he says about worry. He says that it's thinking that God isn't or won't get it right. And I just think that that's so true. It's like not trusting whatever's happening that he hasn't gotten this right. And sometimes life feels like that. And I understand that. And, And I have compassion on that. But I do know that we have a good God who loves us. Um, sometime uh, the scripture from Matthew says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And so just by just worrying is not fruitful at all. And, um, so we want to try to turn those worries into prayers and because that is fruitful. Um, have you noticed how a child trusts his mother or, um, the, the caretaker? 
I've noticed with my own grandbaby how um, when we go somewhere, like he just knows, like his mom has got it covered. And that's how the Lord has us covered. Whether he decides he wants a toy or he wants milk or he wants, he needs a diaper change or he needs, whatever it is, like she's got it covered. And God does the same for us. Like he has got it covered. They don't worry about where the next meal's coming from. They have a complete trust in their caretaker. And the Lord wants us to do that with him. Psalm 910 tells us, those who know your name, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And that is true. I know sometimes are really, really hard, but he's never forsaken us. Um, so just as a personal reflection, I'm a number six if you're an Enneagram person. So that worry thing, that um, loyalty, anxious thing, I was, I was really suffered from that, like in a, not a medication way, but like in a, I can't rest kind of way for a long, long time. I used to just think, man, if I can just get through this season, like if they would just sleep through the night, then I could rest. Or then it got to me like, if they would just, if we could just get through flu season and I knew they would be okay, then, then it would be a fine. Or if I can just get through this little circumstance or this season, then it would be okay. And then I realized like there's still things to battle at every season of life. And so we got to have another technique um, to be able to not worry or to trust in the Lord. And so I finally learned, and I'm still learning, to, tur- to capture my thoughts and to turn those to the Lord and to turn worry into a prayer. Um, my current lack of trust recently has been a health journey and maybe re- the Lord redirecting me in my service and things like that. And I, I've been able to really capture my thoughts, or I'm still working on it, and to trust in Him and to turn to the Scriptures. And so we're going to talk about that because worry leaves us exhausted. Another um, emotional factor that leaves us exhausted is just fear or insecurity. And so I think that's just being afraid of something, being fearful of something. Um, we, we can't rest because we just aren't sure about something. But I read something that I thought was so good. It said, if, if, it's, if it is true security, it can't be taken from you. So that means security is not found in a big bank account or a certain relational situation or a certain anything. It's security is found in Jesus. Proverbs 29, 25 tells us, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So if you want to be kept safe as I do, then we need to learn to trust him because fear and insecurity leave us exhausted. Let's move on. Comparison. I know we almost talk about it every single time, but it's so true. It really does rob you of your joy. Um, and I think it's amplified by social media. And I hate to say that because I know I love social media too. But I know sometimes I get off and I'm like, Ugh, I'm not good enough. Or um, I can't believe they get to go on another trip or whatever it is. And so we need to guard ourselves. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But I love First Thessalonians 4.11. It says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders not because you're being so great, but because you're leading this quiet life so that you will not be dependent on anybody. We're not dependent on anybody else to be able to measure up. Um, and so comparison does that. And then from 1 Timothy 2, it also goes along and talks about, it, it talks about praying and it says that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So I think sometimes we, we love the buzz of knowing what everybody's doing and what's happening, what's going on, but really we're called to lead a quiet life and um, and trusting in the Lord, because comparison leaves us exhausted. Another thing that leaves us exhausted is misplaced identity. You know, when I worked and somebody said, hey, what do you do? I could say, I am a blah, 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 and I could say it. Well, after I quit working, then I'd be like, oh, well, I, uh, I, I have kids, and I, 
but, but, but I was putting identity in that role. And God doesn't want us to do that because we are a child of God if we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And it doesn't, you know, our roles will change all through life, but our identity doesn't change at all. And um, it's interesting because I do follow a couple bloggers and I've noticed they were, you know, they were all about Christmas and now they're kind of like struggling to keep people following them because Christmas is over and they can't talk about what to buy or how to decorate or whatever. But it's just like they're, the toil of continuing on to try to have people, you know, come to them. Ecclesiastes ten fifteen says this, the toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. And I thought that's so true. Like when we're constantly trying to, when our identities in our number of likes or identities in our role as a, you know, director of this or vice president of that, like it's just is exhausting um, because misplaced identity leaves us exhausted. Um, the next one is envy. And that's similar to some of the other ones like comparison. Um, but, but sometimes it causes me to want to try to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. Ecclesiastes 4, 4 says, and I saw that all toil and all achievement sprang from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. And so just wanting what other people have. And some, we have such access to information now. We didn't even know some of the things that we thought. We didn't even know that we needed this, that, or the other until we saw it somewhere else. Um, and so just envy can be a, a, a way that keeps us from resting. It leaves us exhausted. And then another one is just discontentment. And I love the verse from Philippians because it says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I love that because I started to memorize this verse when I was discontent when my kids were younger. And I felt like everybody around me, everybody around me had bigger homes and nicer cars and better vacations. And so I, I really dug into the scripture and I was like, I've learned the secret. And I love that. But it's not necessarily just comes to you naturally, like learning the secret of how to be content. And that's capturing your thoughts and turning to the Lord and, and giving, getting that rest that he offers us. By nature, I think we're always restless. We're always going. We're always wanting more and better and something different. And so discontent has to be fought after, probably actively more than passively. Um, because, it's, uh, because contentment can be learned, just like the scripture tells us. And that he gives us his strength. It doesn't have to be our own efforts. And so I love that. Um, Another thing just to consider is some of this exhaustion is amplified by social media. And so I know that, you know, we've talked about comparison as the thief of joy and how sometimes we feel like we're following, falling short when, what, when we see things like on, on that. And I love it too. Like last week I used Pinterest to help. I was doing some rearranging in my bedroom and decorating some shelves. And I was like, I totally used that. And it was great. I had, I had things right at my fingertips. But then while I was on, uh, I think, Instagram, I noticed that I was not invited to this baby shower. And, you know, we've all felt that before where we're like, I didn't know they were having that event and I wasn't a part of that or, or whatever it is. So you got to be cautious. And so when we break into our small group time, we're going to discuss that. Like, does it leave you exhausted or does it leave you filled up? And so how can you monitor yourself so that you um, will not continue to be exhausted if that's something that does exhaust you? So a couple questions to ask you before you are engaging in social media would be like, first of all, what are your kids doing while you're doing it? And what are they learning from seeing me on it? Because some of y'all, your kids will be there before you know it. Like you think that's so far off, they won't remember. And you think, so I'm still good for a while, but, but it will be here before you know it. And so just to consider that because it, it will be their turn sooner than you think. And so you want to have healthy habits now regarding that. Um, and then ask yourself if I've been in God's word today. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll make myself 
if I have a few minutes, like in a doctor's office waiting room or something like that, I will make myself go to scripture first. And so I have a Bible app and I'll just be like, I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then I'm going to, you know, look at a few things on Instagram and kind of catch up or something like that, where I have some boundaries. Um, And then I ask myself, is this the best use of my time? And then afterwards, I want to ask myself, do I feel less content or more content? And then, then you can make decisions based on that. And then how long was I on it? And it was, the, was it the amount I thought? Because I know sometimes I can get on and think, I'm going to spend five minutes and then it's 15 or longer. So, um, so we want to take a few minutes. We're going to cover the survive and thrive after our, our small group time. But you've got some questions. We're going to share your tables and um, then we'll dive back in. Okay. I hate to break it up. I love hearing y'all talk and you're going to get to do it again. So we're, I'm glad that you're getting a chance to talk about what exhausts you, but we're going to move on. So we talked about the R is refreshment and what that looks like. And we talked about the exhaustion. Hopefully you're talking about that at your tables, like what exhausts you. Sometimes it's physical and sometimes it's more than that. We're going to move on to the S. And so we're going to talk about survive and just how some seasons are really, really hard. And, and there's no way... Uh, there's no doubt about it. Sometimes your children aren't sleeping. Sometimes you have a hard diagnosis. Sometimes you have tragedy and it's hard. And I would also like to add, sometimes when your husband is going through something, it's basically like you are too. I've noticed this over 35 years of marriage. Like I can go through something and he can kind of, you know, touch base with me at five o'clock about it. But when he goes through something like, it's like you're going through it yourself with him. And so think about that. And so um, and, and really sometimes even your kiddos when they're, when they're in a hard season as well. And so some seasons are just about survive. And so I read this and I thought this was great. Tired is my season. I could wake up angry that my life demands of me physically what it is asking right now. Or I can accept this as part of my, quote, living sacrifice to the Lord from Romans 12.1. If I choose the former, that is being angry about this season of life, My life will continue in this season, but will be made harder by my inability to embrace it. If I choose the latter, that is to consider it as a living sacrifice, I will be weary, but I will be in the center of his will. And Romans 12, that 12, one, that verse says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so I think sometimes we just have to consider like some of these survival modes, like it is just a season to walk through. And sometimes it's really hard. And I would just, um, to encourage you that like when you're not operating on a full rest or when you're not getting full rest, then don't operate as though you are. And so sometimes you need to say no to some things. Your primary ministry right now is your family. Like that is your main ministry. And that is okay. That is called by God and he has provided you with the children you have. And that's okay to have that be your primary ministry. And so I would also say, just be in the season you're in, be, be it, embrace it. Like if, if, uh, if you're in a survival season, watch your commitments, spend within your limits, honor your husband, and then be organized where you can. Because sometimes we fall into patterns of like, I have no food in the house or I have no gas in the car. Like, so, you know, be smart when you can, but, but realize that sometimes in survival mode, it's just hard. Um, especially you first time moms, I just want to encourage you, like everything in your life has changed. Everything that you thought was your true North maybe has changed. And so that's okay. And the Lord will meet you right where you are and you are in survival mode. 
I've heard sometimes um, of comparing time with the Lord as, uh, as compared with it is with like food or eating, that sometimes we're able to have this big feast and we are uninterrupted and we are not distracted and it is a, a feast full of richness. But then sometimes we have to just grab a snack while we're on the road, right? And while we're on the run. And it's, so it's, it still keeps you fed, but it's not really sustainable for your best health. And so we don't want to live on snacks alone. And so snacking on the Lord when you're in the survival mode, like sometimes that's okay. And so what that could look like is something like turning ordinary monotonous tasks into holy moments. So what I mean by like when you're and Mandy's, this was Mandy's great idea. When you're folding the little laundry, you're praying for that person you're, that you're folding for. Or when you're doing, you know, doing the dishes, you are praying and thanking the Lord for the provision of your home and the food that you have. So you're, you're turning the ordinary into extraordinary by shifting your focus to God. When you're serving your children, you're, yes, you're serving them, but you're also really serving the Lord. See Colossians 3, where he talks about whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. Um, So ways you can get small doses of the Lord in your life when you're in the survival mode would be things like music. Like you have a choice. We're talking Brad Paisley. We're talking some worship music. Sometimes you need a little bit of both. And sometimes I try to turn secular music into worshipful moments by sort of changing the words or whatever. But music can really mentor you into worship, just like those ladies did this morning. What a beautiful job they did. Um, We can... um, do short devotionals or, or scripture that we can have, you know, if you have some devotionals you got like for the graduate, you know, devotions for the graduate, like put it somewhere where you see it. If all your devotionals are on one shelf, you're, that's probably not doing you any good. Scatter them around. Put one in the backyard when your kids are playing. Put one, you know, by your makeup area. Put one in the car. Don't read while you're in, driving, but, you know, have it available if you're waiting on in something in the car. You're waiting for central market pickup people to come out open up a quick devotional. And so you're just making things available so that you are turned to the Lord and turned to scripture frequently throughout the day. Um, And then there's also something that I read called just aha prayers. And those are just kind of like, Lord, help me, (laughs) or I need wisdom, or Father, give me strength, or give me patience, or I surrender to you, or whatever it is. And so just turning your thoughts to the Lord often. Um, And of course, those are snacks, and we want you to feast but sometimes you're in a survival mode where that's what you, um, what that's in that survival mode, snacks are better than nothing. Um, I, I heard this compared to the survival mode as compared to going on a bear hunt, the children's little rhyme. We're going on a bear hunt, but I'm not scared. And then it goes on to say, we can't go over it, the hard times. We can't go under it, the hard times. We got to go through it. And sometimes we just have to go through it. But we, we know that when we are weak, the Lord is strong. And so some verses that just amplify that would be Isaiah 30, um, I mean, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord, they're hoping in the Lord. They're not hoping in their circumstances or themselves or their, um, their spouse or their children. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And the reason that they're able to do those things, run and not grow weary, is because they're up on eagles. So when you're on an eagle's wings, what are you doing? You're getting new perspective. You're way up high and you're looking down. You're like, oh, I see the whole picture now. I get it. And so those that hope in the Lord will soar on those wings and then they'll be strong and not grow weary. Isaiah 43, 2. I love this verse. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. you when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. 
The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord your God. And so just that he walks through it with us, whatever hard time you're in. Maybe it's something joyful like a brand new baby, but maybe it's something harder than that, that he will walk through it right there with you. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so we think a weakness is a bad thing, but when we're with the Lord, his power meets us and it's a good thing so that Christ's power may rest on me. So if you are in survival mode, please do not lose heart. The Lord is by your side and he will give you strength. So sometimes we want to move from that survival mode into thriving. So survive to thrive, RT. We got the R, the rest. We got the E, what exhausts us. The S, being in survival mode, just sometimes that's the truth of where we are, but thrive is where we want to be. And so I love the verse, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And some versions say have life abundantly. And I love that. He wants us to have life abundantly. And so you think, well, how do I get this abundant life? Like I want that. Um, now, I recognize that many of you have started, like maybe so you've started something this, with this new year, a new devotion or a new, you know, you're doing the journey, uh, de- an email devotional that we have, or you're doing something like, way to go, press on. I'm going to give you some ideas here in a minute, but if you've already started something, excellent, keep at it. And if you've missed a day or two, do not beat yourself up. Just start over or don't start over. Start where you are now. Um, the enemy would love for you to give up. Don't let him have that satisfaction. This is from an author that I read that I loved also, an overbooked schedule. A to-do list I carry day after day, never crossing anything off. Too many people that need me, too many balls in the air, too many roles I play. All those voices demand my attention. They drown out the one voice that I need most to hear. The decibel level in my home does not dictate the decibel level in my heart. I want to repeat that because you have little bitties and sometimes they're loud. (laughs) The decibel level in my home does not dictate the decibel level of my heart. So you can have chaos all around you, but when we're turning our thoughts to the Lord, it doesn't have to feel like chaos. A loud life is not a healthy life. And when she says loud, she means things like frantic or hectic or we're always in a hurry. We're always doing more, more, more. Intentionally seeking out stillness is more than just having literal quiet. God calls us to find our peace in him. Peace is found in him. Peace is not found in our circumstances. We can find solace through the noisy seasons of life. Any season can be a season of rest. And so that would be our challenge today so that we can thrive. And so um, we might ask like, well, how, do, how exactly do I do this? Um, we've had some scriptures to back up how great it would be to have that abundant life. But two that I want you to, to walk away with, the words come and dwell. And we're going to look at two different scriptures, come and dwell. Scriptures tells us to come to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight, very famous verse on um, weariness. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so what he's saying, a yoke back in the olden days was something that they put on two animals. And so it would like, if you're carrying everything and then there's another animal all of a sudden lightening the load, the yoke... So it lifts it up. And so like, let's picture you are at the mall and you have your, you have your baby in your hand and you've got your two-year-old or you've got your baby in your arms and you've got your two-year-old by your side and you've got a package and you've got your stroller and you're like trying to balance. It would be like Jesus would come along and be like, here, let me take that baby for you or let me push that stroller for you or whatever. Like he wants to lift the load like that, but it's probably going to be more of a, um, I don't think he's really going to come to the mall and meet you there. Although somebody might. 
Um, but he wants us to come to him, come to him through prayer and come to him through reading, reading his word and being around others that spur you to do the same. It would be like when your child needs you and he comes to you and you're like, come here, baby, I got you, I got you. And that's what the Jesus is saying to us. He wants, he's like, come on, I got this, I've got this. Come into my arms. This is not too big for me to handle. Um, he is here to help us and we just need to come to him. Now, if this is the first time you're hearing all this Jesus message, we would love to talk to you more about that. Any one of your table leaders or one of us would be able to tell you about salvation in Jesus Christ. And we would love to share that with you. Um, Another, so after we hear the word come, that's like an action that you take. The next thing is to dwell. Psalm 91.1, great, the whole psalm is excellent. But whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I want you to think of the word dwell. It means, to, it, takes, it means take up permanent residence. It's not popping in and popping out. It's moving in. And so some, in some translations, shelter means a secret place, a place that you feel perfectly safe. Maybe it's a special chair. Maybe it's a hiding place when you were young. But um, God is saying that when, when you come to him like that and you dwell with him like that, you will find uh, he'll be a shadow for you. And think about when you're in the heat and, you're, and it's beating down on you and then you found a, a little place of, of shade or shadow, how good that feels. That's what he's offering to you. Just like you are a safe haven for your child when they come to you, that's what Jesus wants to do for you. He will be your safe haven. Now, I don't know where you are on your walk with the Lord. If you know him as a personal savior or if you've walked with him, if you don't know him or if you've walked with him for most of your life. But wherever you are, you can do, you can grow. And so this message, if Mother Teresa herself were here, she could learn something from the scripture, not from me perhaps. But wherever you are in your relationship with the Lord, we can all grow. Um, God is always ready. Um, if, and so I would say, you know, if you feel far from him, you're the one that's moved, not him. Um, he's never surprised by your situation and um, you're never interrupting him when you come to him. And so he wants us to come. He wants us to come and he wants us to dwell. And another verse that I love from James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. It seems so simple, right? We just have to remember to do it and not be trying to, um, to fill, fill all of our needs ourselves or with somebody else. Um, we kind of ask, well, who is it that we're coming to? And I love Psalm 23. You can't get away without not bringing that up. The Lord is our my shepherd. I shall not want. A shepherd, if you read, I read a bunch about sheep and shepherds, and there's some great books out there, but sheep are really, really not very smart. And that is how I am. I need a shepherd. Like, I need a shepherd to tell me the boundaries, to tell me where to find good water and to find food, and to make me lay down like you make your child go lay down at nap time, even if they don't want to. Um, And he refreshes my soul. And so God is able to do that for us. He's gentle. He wants you to come to him and he will be near to you. And he is your shepherd. He will he will bring you into his flock. We just need to come. And so when we are focused on him, there's tremendous benefit. Psalm 4610 tells us, be still and know that I am God. And I think when we are still, that's the problem, right? Sometimes to be still and to stop. The world is telling us, do more, do better. You're missing out on this. When we are still, that's how we know he's God. Because when we slow down, it ushers us into the throne and um, it leads us to worship him. So you may have heard of the term quiet time, which I wish there was another term for it because it doesn't sound like a fun thing to do, but I think it can be. Um, so just incorporating, into the, incorporating the Lord into your daily habits through this quiet time is probably the single best thing you can do for your family. And um, I totally mean that. Like I want you, yes, I want you to cook healthy meals 
and I want you to exercise, and I want you to have a spa day sometimes, or a getaway sometimes, or whatever, and I want you to have an organized home that is wonderful and hospitable and, and homey that your husband wants to come home to, but, ha- but time with the Lord and incorporating this into your daily habit is the single best thing you can possibly do, is to get to know him, and that is probably where you'll be for me, personally, I was transformed the most from this person who worried about everything, every possible bad thing that could happen to my child, I worried about. And as I, tra- as I began to transform and trust the Lord and seek Him, memorize His Word, read His Word, pray, get around other people that did that, I changed. My circumstances maybe did or didn't, but I changed. And that is the only, I mean, he, he did that. It wasn't me because our circumstances are too volatile. Like they're, they're, we can't, we can't ever have everything. I mean, maybe you have everything going perfectly for like a few minutes or something, but we can't really rely on that. So true rest is found in a person. And so we've been saying we want to come and dwell. So this is the, uh, this is the perfect time in life to figure this out. And I know it's going to change and sometimes you're in survival, but thrive or, or strive for thriving. Um, so two, form, two things that you really need to be able to have this quiet time would be just to have God's word and your, your mind so that you can pray to him. So sometimes like with littles, you might, I've heard of people having very clever ideas, like having special toys that they can only play with while you're in the word, or maybe you're have a children's Bible and that's your quiet time for a while where you're reading stories to them. And you're also getting some out of it for yourself or the music or whatever, but your mind and God's word are the only things that you really have to have. Now you can have an actual form of the Bible, which is awesome. And sometimes I use that, but also you can have an app on your phone. And so that I use probably more, especially as my eyes get worse, I use a computer or my phone for God's word. Um, Some apps will actually read it to you aloud. I mean, the other day I was cleaning out my closet and listening to the book of Genesis, like two stones right there, you know, at the same time. It was awesome. Um, Devotional books are great. Um, There's a a devotional website called Crosswalk, I think it's .com, where you can go and there's like like the journey's wonderful that our church does, but there's also ones that are very specific, like, you know, a devotion for the single mom or devotion as of encouragement or devotions for couples or devotions of, you know, people with teenagers or whatever, very specified. And so you, then there's coming right to your inbox. So, so that's one idea. Um, I love to memorize. That's probably been the single best thing that has transformed me to be a little bit more like Jesus. And I'm still a work in progress, but having his word in my heart then I wake up in the middle of the night, I start to worry about something, it's right there. And I can start, you know, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, I can, I can just start saying it and dwelling on it and taking the words apart and being like, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd, what does that mean? He's, the shepherd takes care of the sheep and he'll take care of me. And I can turn those scriptures into a prayer. Um, uh, if you don't know where to begin, I've heard Todd say this, and my husband did it for years, is to read a proverb of the day. So today's January 24th go and look up Proverbs 24, because there's 31 Proverbs, um, that famous one about, you know, being a good wife and mom and all that stuff. Uh, That, let's see, January, there are 31 days, so you're going to be coming upon that soon. Um, Reading the book of Luke or the book of John, if you've never read scripture, you know, have, just open up a book, I would probably say in the uh, one of those would, books would be a good one to just start at. The journey, again, you can, those are free emails that come right to your box. Other ideas would be, I started searching Spotify. I mean, it's, everything's out there. It's, it's so incredible. So like I have my grandbaby and we're like, I can punch in children, Sunday school, you know, Christian too. And they're just like coming at me of Father Abraham and all those good ones. 
And, um, but it's great because, because then we're listening, to, we're listening to music, but you can begin to focus on the truth of that passage while, you know, it's a fun thing to do. Podcasts are great. Um, there's an app called One Place Sermons. I've got all kinds of sermons from, you know, Beth Moore to Chuck Swindoll, all kinds of people. Um, and then the Bible Project videos I love. They're a group that, they're videos that come up and they do give an overview of every book of the Bible. Fabulous. They have some reading um, some reading plans too. So anyway, lots of things out there, lots of opportunities, but probably what we need to do is get in the mindset of like, I want to turn my focus to the Lord. And so then, then you can begin to discover resources and see what works for you. So I would just say in summary, our rest is not found in our circumstances because they're going to be variable and they're going to change and they can be hard, but our rest is found in Jesus and he is perfect. And he tells us to come and to dwell with him. Now, we have um, some coloring. We have some coloring sheets and some markers at your table. And I have some quiet time activities that I just want to kind of um, go over with you. This, this first one, nest rest, is just your, it's got most of the scriptures I talked about today. And then these other ones, if you decide, we're going to give you about 10 minutes to have a quiet time alone at your table. And then you'll still have another 10 or 15 minutes to visit with your people. And so we recognize that's a really, really important time. So actually be quiet for the first 10 minutes. But let me just say what these first things are. This shape prayers, remember when I said that I was the queen of worry and all that? I came up with the shape prayer because this is what I pray for all my family members every single day. Safety, health, to abide, protection, and to excel. And so you can just use your markers and um, pencils and, you know, put your people's names or draw pictures or swirls or whatever you want. But there's three verses there to just kind of meditate on. But this is like, the reason I like this shape is I can remember S-H-A-P-E, safety, health, abide, protect, excel. And the three of them, safety, health, and protect, I'm asking God to do. And the abide and and excel, I'm asking that the, 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 the person I'm praying for, that they would abide with you and that, that, you, that they would excel in the role that they have. So that's one. The next one on the back of that is the Lord's Prayer. And probably a lot of you know that from heart. And so, but you just, if you just pray it, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But if you really tear it apart, like our Father, like Lord, you are a Father. Thank you. You're the perfect Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Like, Lord, I praise you. I praise your holy name. I praise you that you are sovereign. And I praise you that you are good. And I praise you for his qualities. And then you would go on and say, your kingdom come, your will be done. So go through the prayer and, and embellish it with your own words and really pray the prayer, not just a rote, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, that kind of thing. So that, those are two. Um, the Acts prayer, I really like that because what this does is if you, if you tend to find all your prayers are about a, like a list, like your hand in Santa Claus, then you might think about this because what this does is it begins with adoration. So you, you, have, you read the verse and then you, you really spend a moment adoring or praising God for who he is. Like what is his character? Um, and you might say you are good and you are sovereign and you are a mighty fortress and you are a rock and you are truth and you are love. And then, and so you spend time who he is, and then you spend time confessing. And the beautiful thing about this is it, you're like, you are so perfect. And oh, I am so short. And Lord, forgive me for snapping at my husband this morning and forgive me for wishing that my child would sleep longer or, and being mean about it, or, or forgive me for whatever you want to confess before the Lord. And you can write it out or you can just talk to him about it. But it's like lining him up for who he is and now who am I? Like, I'm so short, but you forgive me. Thank you that you forgive me. 
And then we move on to Thanksgiving. And these are more things like things he has done. Like, Lord, thank you that you provided me that parking spot. Thank you, Lord, that you provided me that sweet friend or that person that encouraged me. Or thank you for the date night that was awesome. So thank you for the things that you provided in my life. And then finally, after we've we've figured out like who he is, who I am, what he's done, when you get to supplication or your request, they're much more in line with probably what he would want you to, to pray. And so that's when you bring your supplications and your requests before him, like, Lord, I know you have an answer for where you want us to send our child to school. And Father, I just lift it to you and I ask that you would make it really clear or whatever it is. So that's your ACTS, your ACTS prayers. And then on the back of that are your ABC prayers for your children. And so um, I have listed out scriptures for every letter of the alphabet and you can um, use this and write, you know, go pray through it in your mind or maybe you want to, if you've got more than one child, like you're like, I really need to pray for Um, peace in my oldest, and I really need to pray for understanding in my youngest, and I'm going to put their name down there, or I'm going to use my markers and pens to, you know, liven this up. So that's another thing that you can do, and there's scriptures to go with all of them. So we've got scripture, and we've got prayer, and we've got scripture, and we've got prayer. And then our final one is just to encourage you in memorizing, and that is you could take one of these and you can cut it up. And I would encourage you, if you're going to work on this, is like to make copies. When I memorize something, I have a copy by my bed, in my purse, at my makeup area, and in my car. So I'm seeing it often. And so you may just want to pick one of these. If you are a worrier, then I might steer you right down here. Whatever is true, noble, right. Whatever is pure, lovely, or admirable. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then you can filter, like, I'm thinking about this thing that's making me worried, but is it true? Well, no, it hadn't happened yet. Is it noble? No, it's not noble. Is it pure? Not really. So you can have that as a filter, but all these are really good. Um, So you can work on scripture memory as you sit there. So anyway, I'm going to close this out in prayer. And then we're going to be back. So you're going to do a little quiet time. Pick, you've got five different options. And you're going to stay at your table. And we're going to be as only hearing, only thing we're going to hear is babies, not people, not grownups. And then in a few minutes, we'll get back up and we'll cue you that it's time for y'all to discuss.